I feel a chill. There is a there the the full moon is out. There has been uh, reports on the radio of serial killers running amok. There is a spirit in my house. I'm afraid of monsters. They're under my bed. But what is scarier than all those things? No, it's not a killer car. But what is scarier than all of those things? It is being a Hollywood producer and losing $174 million in a movie that was supposed to start a franchise but instead was a massive flop. And I did not know this before going into it. This is the biggest flop in movie history. Is it one of the most expensive movies in movie history? Um, I didn't see that. You probably would have found it. it. No, no, it's quick. not. It's not. Okay. But it is um, all estimated by, by deadline estimation. This movie. Deadline the news. Yeah. Okay. Um, with like advertising and all that stuff, it lost $174 million. Huge blow. That hurts to even hear. Yeah. Um, so what's scary? It, 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 well, here we go, folks. the The podcast has been around. We're, we're happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. It, it's we've been around. This is the Macaw Podcast universe, and mm-hmm. we exist it, by day. We exist to prove people wrong when they say that sequels are better, never better than the originals. But by by Halloween night, we take on a movie that was intended to have sequels but failed to do so. And last year we covered Fantastic Four, 2015 Fantastic mm-hmm. Four. And that was a pretty awful, awful movie. Yes, yes, yes. Hated I that movie. I don't think that this movie falls into that same category. No. Honestly, only fond thoughts for this movie. I think it's kind of good. Yeah. I did um, not hate it. It has some problems, but it was not as bad. I think we've covered much worse movies on this podcast. I think podcast. this movie is a love letter to several different directors. Yes. And... It, it, well, for those of you who just clicked on this, didn't click the title, we're talking about 2018's Mortal Engines, which, if you are like most people, you didn't see it. Yeah. <laughs> but part of the reason why we wanted to do this, you know, we, we do try and think of things ahead and, and in advance, but when we covered the Lord of the Rings trilogy, followed by the Hobbit trilogy, Peter Jackson, we were like, well, here was the next thing he was trying to get going. He's a main producer on this. His name was on all of the advertising. It was like, remember the guy who brought you The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings? He's about to bring you a new franchise. <clears throat> now, I don't know for sure if they were, um, I didn't look at any of the old trailers, if they were saying this is going to be a new franchise. I think it's safe to assume that if this movie did even a little bit well, there was going to be another one. Well, and I... um when I was, I, I watched, so I watched an hour interview, half hour with Peter Jackson, half hour with Christian Rivers, the director of the movie, and it was before the movie came out, and it was so sad, Jordan, because knowing everything about it, you're like, oh boy, but they're talking to Adam from Mythbusters. Which one's that one? He is the red-haired okay. guy, um, and I, he has a YouTube channel, and I think he just interviews creative people. And they had sent him like 24 minutes of the movie and Adam's like, this is so cool. Like, I love this. And as an engineer, they only like, sent him 24 minutes well, was before it came out. No, I know they didn't even let him screen the whole thing. Yeah, I guess. I, I mean, honestly, maybe it was for the best for right. this interview. <laughs> but, um, 
it was like cool because I think if I'd have seen this interview and not have seen the move, not have known what had happened, I'd be like, oh, this is like the beginning of this big thing, you know. And Jackson did mention like, well, we'll have to see how it does, but you know, there's more books. Yeah. And then the yeah. director too was like, you know, I don't know, but there's more to tell. How many books are there? Um, there are. I think four main books, and then I think there's five like prequel books cool. or something. So it's a big series by yeah. Philip Reeve or Reeves. And this is young adult. It's young adult, yeah. Okay. Um, wow. Yeah, jump in. I've y- been talking a lot. I mean, just I have never knew this was a series. I don't know anyone who's read this. Uh-uh. Um, but I am just sure the, the one of the biggest risks you can take as a filmmaker is adapting a young adult book to the screen. Right. It was accomplished very well in Harry Potter, as it is famously known. Well, right. I mean, I know some people don't like it, but I would say for the most part, success. And then Twilight comes out. and Which we talked about this year as well. And they're like so bad, they're good. So technically, success. Yeah. In, in, in some ways. Um, and then Percy Jackson comes out, and I haven't read those either. But apparently, it is one of the most atrocious ad- adaptations of a book that is so beloved, of a series right. that's so beloved. And I believe, because didn't that kill a franchise? Yeah, I they may have made two of those. Oh, I can't okay. remember, though. I just remember people like going nuts. I think I even, in one of my college classes, someone was singing a Greek mythology class, and I don't remember what the project is. Maybe it was adapting it, you know, Greek adaptations to anything yeah and someone used that movie as like one of the worst examples oh boy of a bad adaptation like it's that bad and it meant that much to that person which was it it was remember it's directed by chris columbus who started yeah. the harry potter franchise so yeah. that seems like a total slam dunk on paper i know um so I, this yeah. is just falling it, so it's like young adult series aragon another one aragon they another made one. one movie they made one movie apparently they did it so terribly they uh, from I've never read those books either, but I remember hearing that they gave so much away that's not even in the first book that they oh. they ruined it so that they couldn't even make more movies. That's how it was told to me. Yeah. Um, but this one, unfortunately, falls under those categories too, where it's a young adult series making a movie. Not only that, they're trying to make it an epic scale. Yeah. And it does not work. Well, and here's here's the thing. So you had asked last night, you said, are they cramming maybe multiple books into this? Is that yeah. something that's happening? I read the synopsis of the first book, and while there are some differences, pretty much the same, Cool. I thought. So you would think on a base level, this movie would at least make its money back. I, yeah. Because you'd think... Was everyone sick that weekend? Was there another pandemic going on? Well, it, it just... The critics didn't like it. Like, nobody really... I, 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 nobody I wish really I knew liked someone it. who's read it who can tell me, like, why they didn't see it or why they didn't like it. Because yeah. as someone who knows nothing about it... I mean, I didn't see it because it looked too bombastic for me. It, it looked like the plus I didn't like that they it, it felt a little pretentious that they were advertising it as that like this is the next Lord of the Rings. Yeah, and I, I remember like being that. kind of offended by that. Yeah, but I think I think part of me, I mean, when this was being advertised, that would be 2018. So I was yes, I was coming around to being more okay with like no, I love Avengers or something, yeah, you know, because yeah. you know there's that period before that where it's like no, I only like Paul Thomas Anderson films. 
And you know, and now yeah. it's like, yes, I love those two, but it's okay to like the Terminator or yeah. to you know, you yeah. can like movies that are really popular. Yep. And 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 just not liking them doesn't mean that you're better or understand movies more. Yep. You know. I think probably maybe part of the reason why this didn't do well is because this was in the middle of all of the Marvel stuff, right? Well, I know yeah, it's kind of at the end-ish, but this like, would be the same year as um I mean it came out in December though. So this would be just before Captain Marvel, like a month before Captain Marvel, and then like four months before. So we are Endgame. so used to these types of movies. Like we are yeah. so tired of them that I think advertising another one that's the next big thing. I think I'm just wondering if a lot of people were like, no, I'm already into Marvel. Yeah. I can't get into anything else. Right, right. Well, and, and what's a shame that I think we'll be bringing up probably a lot during this conversation is that the movie. While some of the stuff is not that great, and some of the story stuff and character work I don't think works that well, although if you judge it on like a YA level, I think it's actually fine. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, this movie has like a lot of stuff we've never seen on screen before. Yeah. And people didn't go see it, us included. Yeah. And what's unfortunate is that reinforces like studios to be like, well, people don't, they want to see superheroes punch each other we don't want to like try and introduce a new world so it discourages people in the future because they can and be i like, don't think it was dystopian enough to be a dy- to please the dystopian audience yeah because it is described as a post-apocalyptic world yeah but it does not feel like those kinds of movies so i don't think it can even appeal to like hunger games fans right unfortunately it's, right. it's too fantasy this is well were you gonna say way better it's way better than Mockingjay 2 and 3 by a long shot, this movie. 2 and 3? Uh, 1 and 2, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. It's, it's not as good as Catching Fire or um, Hunger Games 1, but it is, like, way better oh, than the so Mockingjay much re- rather this That movie, those movies, you know what they're missing? Shrike. You know what this movie has? Shrike! Shrike! Shrike rules. Yeah. I love Shrike. He is, I know he is we cool. Don't, we're not mispronouncing Shrek. No, no. But he does have green eyes. Uh, yeah, but um, yeah. So so let's get into a little bit of the of the behind the scenes here, and then we can talk more specifics. So this is Christian Rivers' first movie. Yeah, he he's on the art department of like Jackson movies from like Fellowship on. So he's in King Kong and the Hobbits. He's and a stuff I like that. I call him he's Jackson's protege. Yeah, and he did the second unit directing a lot of second unit directing on the Hobbit movies. So he was with Andy Serkis in that helicopter? Probably, yeah. And he is the man who brought us the barrel chase scene. Peter Jackson oh. specifically said that he directed the the barrel scene. Okay. Um, screenplay. Now, these names are going to be familiar if you listen to our Middle Earth saga. Uh, screenplay by Fran Walsh, Philippa Boyens, and Peter Jackson. Those are the same people we talked about. Um, the music. Now, the music... Okay, do you want to say anything about the music? Ripping off a lot of Lord of the Rings soundtrack or score. There was a part at the end where it went, and then it changed. And then there was another part that was like, I think it did like the later thing where it's like, na, 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 na. Yeah. Na, 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 na,
talking about how it's ripping off some of that but the opening sequence of this movie like three minutes in i was just like this score is so annoying it, it was just like ee, 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 <laughs> but not in a psycho way oh well, man, i thought it was, it was so a annoying. cool i thought it was a cool riff but um, it was just so long I, yeah i think maybe the scene maybe uh, here's what i think happened they sent it to the composer and i'm saving the composer um but um, the, I think they sent it to the composer, and maybe the scene was like rough, and it was like three minutes. Oh. And then when they were editing it more, they were like, "Well, this scene's like crazy. It needs to be ten minutes." And they were like, "It's too late to get them to like retract this." So and loop so it. they're like, "Loop it." Oh. <laughs> um, but it the music is by Tom Holkenborg. Now we've talked about him before, back in the year of two thousand and nineteen, when we covered. A movie called Mad Max Fury Road. Ah. He goes by the name Junkie XL. And he created... Wait, he's in the movie? He did the score for Mad Max Fury Road. This is the same composer. How did he do such a bad score? Well, here's the thing. Well, I'm just... Not here's the thing, but... Mad Max Fury Road is like one of the best scores of the past like 20 years. Yeah. Like you have to put it in the top 50 probably. And it's pretty influential. And then this one, not so hot. I don't think, well, no, I, I didn't like it's it. I didn't really like the who, score. This is going to sound so mean. So I don't, I don't actually mean it. But is anyone who touches Peter Jackson in some way of working with him, do they all become one hit wonders? <laughs> Like, did that guy just have that one score that's awesome? And then. Uh, no, I think he's got. he's got some other good ones. Okay. I know that was but a joke. Was Peter a Jackson's joke. done a lot of great stuff. Yeah. I'm, I'm still waiting for another. Cause you know, he did that world war one movie where he like re he took like old footage from world war one and he colorized it. Um, I know that it's like a documentary. That's cool. And a, uh, I think it's called while we're young or, or while, while we were old hmm. or we're, we're when we're still young or something like that. Yeah. But people really liked it. It got like critical acclaim and people thought it was really awesome. Um, and it was kind of groundbreaking. They, they did a, uh, um, a corridor crew VFX artist react to it because cool. of the way they like made it widescreen and they changed the oh, coloring really and all that stuff. Okay. Um, but they kept it like true to the period. So it doesn't look distracting. You almost like they sh- there's a transition in the movie and you almost like don't quite like you do notice it, but it's like so natural. It just feels like, Oh, they had they must've taken the color out to do the first scene. Hmm. Um, but anyway, I'm, I'm really anxious for him to do a, like a, a new movie. I just want to see him do a new scared? movie. Well, I think when you take into account that, and then you take into account this movie, I think he's just had his plate full. Like, that's a lot of work for someone to do. And it seems like he's, um, I mean, it's the director said that he wasn't like on set every day, like telling him what to do. And he wasn't like o- overlooking him, you know, the whole time. But he s- seems like a very hands on producer. You know, if you yeah. work with Peter Jackson, yeah. you're going to hear his ideas and he's going to help out. Um, he's just not like a helicopter producer. Yeah. Um, anyway, the cinematography is by Simon Raby who did, um, or is doing, no, did a Wanted TV show, which I didn't realize they made. Wanted, like James McAvoy and Angelina Jolie? I think so. Sure. I guess it could be a Western. I didn't click on it, frankly. 
Why would it be a Western based on that title? Wanted. Like, oh, okay. Wanted Dead or Alive. Um, okay. And then he did the second unit director of photography for all three Lord of the Rings movies. Okay. Um, this, so Mortal Engines comes out December 14th, 2018. Okay, the budget of the movie is 100 to 150 million, somewhere in there. Now, listener, if you're confused, I did say the movie lost 174 million. That's, I believe, factoring in advertising mm. and like, you know, sending it to studios and all that stuff. And the movie makes, here in the US, it makes $15.9 million. That is less than the budget and of Insidious 3. it definitely III. got wide release. Yeah. Worldwide, $83.6 million. It doesn't even make $100 million. So that is a huge... It kind of hurts a little bit, even though, again, I this movie wasn't like... I, I didn't love the movie, but it it's not a $83 million like flop movie. There are Marvel movies I like less than this movie. Absolutely. Like, I think both Ant-Man movies, quality-wise, are much worse than this movie. Absolutely. I would so much rather watch this than Ant-Man. Uh, I think all the Thors are not as good. Yeah. Maybe Ragnarok is yeah. better. But I would maybe argue that. Yeah. Because, I mean, this movie had some stuff I've never seen before. And I love Shrike. Um, yeah. So it's, it's a little odd. It's a little odd. Um, just a couple more. Um, so, oh, okay. So the author praised the movie. He cool. liked it. So that's cool. Um, Does and it get your money back though. No, it doesn't. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was filmed from April, 2017 to, from to July, 2017. So long post-production. And then I'm just going to read this. Uh, this is like the box office nitty gritty, but I think it's interesting. It was initially projected to gross 10 to 13 million dollars from 3103 theaters in its opening weekend. Okay, 10 to 13. After making just 2.8 million on its first day, including the Thursday night previews, weekend estimates were lowered to 7 million. It went on to debut to 7.5 million, finishing 5th at the box office on its opening weekend. So here I just have a question. Well, actually finish it. Okay. So it finished fifth, making $7.5 million in the U.S. The film fell 77% in its second weekend to $1.7 million, one of the largest drops for a wide release of all time, and finished in 13th when Aquaman, Mary Poppins Returns, and Bumblebee were released during the Christmas holiday. So it, it almost feels like, does no one like this book? Has no one read this book? <laughs> because you can't even get people who have read the book to come out and see the movie just to, you know, you've read a book and they make a movie on it. I'm going to go see that movie because I'm curious how they did it. I'm yeah. curious how the adaptation works compared to what I read and what was in my brain. Even though a lot of the times people don't like the movie, but they still bought the ticket to go see it. Right. So, like, I'm sure. So, for example, again, the Percy Jackson series, book movie that came out. Yeah. Like, I'm sure that it at least profited. I, I guess I shouldn't right, say right. that, but like. Be, like that's because the the books were so beloved maybe they marketed it really bad too the mortal yeah. engines because like there is just no way that they can't at least break even i know it's it's weird and i i wonder if i mean with with the benefit of like you know look, what is that called when you can look back 
foresight. With the benefit of foresight, um, well, I guess I'd be looking forward, right? Like, like if they could know what would have happened, I feel like this movie could have maybe done better if they they cut some of the more like violent stuff, even though it wasn't that violent, and shot for like a PG rating and marketed it to kids. Yeah, and like family as like, hey, here's a movie that you can go to the theaters as an as an adult. A PG movie to take your kid to that's action-packed that you'll even think is cool because it's some of the craziest special effects ever made. Yeah. And maybe then it could have done well. Also, I mean, it's up against... I don't know. This doesn't seem like a Christmas movie. This seems like a summer movie. Oh, totally. I think it should have been released in the summer. Like a June release or something like that. Um, So I think it was a bad place to release it. A lot of it feels like inexperience. Right, which is unusual. Which isn't true. Although, think about Jackson, the last six movies, and I think, actually, I think even King Kong, Christmas releases. Hmm. So he's... So it's like, like Percy Jackson's that, coming... Percy. In that time Peter period. Jackson's coming out with a movie. It's a it, holiday thing. Yeah, it's like December, you're going to see the movie. So I wonder if that was into it, where he's like, no, no, this is a December movie. I pray and hope that that man didn't fight for that. Yeah. With, with, that, like, with that kind of claim, because... That is a very big chip on one shoulder. Yeah. I'm sure that's not totally part of it. Yeah. It's almost worse to like watching the movie and it's like pretty good because it's not like, like Justice League was a pretty big bomb, but it was a really bad movie. Uh So you're kind of like, yeah, good riddance. Like if this bombs, that's good. They're not going to make movies like this anymore. Cool. Um, but, uh, so the first person we have is Hera Hilmar, who plays Hester Shaw. She is Icelandic, okay. which explains the accent. Yeah. Um, she is also in Anna Karenina, mm-hmm. Life in a Fishbowl, Two Birds, An Ordinary Man, Oskin, Sea, The Romanoffs. Quite a few things, actually. I have never seen her in anything. I thought she no. was good. Yeah. Um, and then Robert Sheehan, probably not pronouncing the last name right. Probably Sheehan, because he's Irish. Yeah. So that that is Tom. Uh, perhaps best known, though, this guy as Klaus Hargreaves from Umbrella Academy. Everyone's like, oh. <gasps> now I gotta watch this movie. He's in it? Yes. And I was most excited to watch this movie because of him, because I haven't seen him in anything else but Umbrella Academy. And he is so electric in Umbrella Academy that it's like, surely he's... I got to He's got to like fully prove himself to me. So I was happy to see this movie. Uh, weirdly enough, I he doesn't work. In he this does movie. not have a good British accent. <laughs> no, it, I mean, who am I to say I'm an American? But I, I find his American accent more believable than the British one. We just at, at some point in the movie were like, you said like, is he American? And I was like, no, he's Irish actually. Yeah. And the accent's not working. <laughs> No, and I, I don't think he was great in this movie, frankly. Uh, I think he w- did good. Yeah, yeah. Subpar. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, he is... I mean, he's not Shrike, so he's not going to, you know... No. Um. So he is, like I said, in Umbrella Academy. So he's in Mortal Engines. He's also in The Mortal Instruments. Uh-oh. <gasps> Uh-oh. The Mortalverse is opening up. How are we going to know which is which? <laughs> I wonder if he's on the poster. Yes. Wait, is Mo- is Mortal Instruments the movie that Peter Jackson made about like It's a it's is also a 
a young adult series. Okay, so it's not the series that's about like the girl and Stanley Tucci's like weird in it and stuff. And that's the Lovely Bones. The Lovely Bones. That's a good movie. From oh, my memory. really? Yeah, it is incredibly sad, and I've heard that the book is even more depressing. So I don't think I could. That's ever a read Peter it. Jackson movie. Yes. Yeah, that's like in between Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit. I remember in that movie or King Kong because she is in like the afterlife. Yeah. And it is very surreal. And the effects, I think, like, if someone was kind of snooty about CGI, might not like it. But I think because it's the afterlife, it works. Yeah. That it's really uh, not quote unquote good. But I don't think they were going for something that was real. They were going for something that wasn't right. surreal. Right. So that's also Saoirse Ronan is the girl in the Oh, okay. Bones. Um, anyway. So he is also in Fortitude misfits ah if sydney's listening to this that's funny um inside joke <laughs> okay <laughs> um he's also in mute geostorm three summers that's a lot geostorm um we have covered hugo weaving and yeah. then also jihai jihai who plays anna Fang. okay um is in altered mars to be that's it Two B, like the letter two and the or the number two and the letter B. Yes. Okay. And then Ronan Rafferty, whose IMDb picture is a Getty's image. Image. <laughs> That's always weird. Um, he is the he is um, Bevis, who is the guy with the dumb hair, the gray in his hair. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He is in Fantastic Beasts. Hmm. Oh, so he's he knows how to pick them. He's also in the Here, Siege of. Here's something. This movie is way better than Fantastic Beasts, either movie, by a long hands shot. Hands down. Hands down. Because this movie's like a gentleman's six, and Fantastic Beasts one is like a four to a three, and then and then let's just say a one for Fantastic oh, Beasts Oh, we're two. saying it. No, no, no. It's a two, but what all, the only thing that brings it up to do is that... Is that sweet lion Chinese lion monster. Thing, yeah. Okay, he's also in the Siege of Jadoville, Moon Boy, Algorithm, The Terror show oh cool and then lila george who plays katherine hugo weaving's daughter yeah. in the movie um she's in animal kingdom oh you're talking about thaddeus valentine's daughter yeah yeah they do say his name a lot they do say the his name a lot um the kid and that's about it wow she's in charlie chaplin's she's 1920s in charlie Chap- movie chaplin's. the kid yeah <laughs> and she's the love interest Wow. It's a weird joke. I don't know. It was the first thing that came to my brain. Um, I was thinking more that she was the kid and she's just taking a long time to age. Making the joke that she was not even a baby in it. She was a full grown woman. Yeah. Not that, funny. That's funny. Um, and then Stephen Lang. No, Jordan. That's <laughs> funny. Stephen Lang plays Shrike, our boy. Ah. Now, do we know Stephen Lang? What is he in? He is an avatar as Colonel Miles something. That guy. He's like old, old a little bit older. Oh, yeah. Stephen Lang rules. That guy rules. He's like the guy who's like, we got to get that unobtainium. Rah, 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 rah. Oh, okay. And he's and he's like, I think he literally l- smokes a cigar in Avatar in their like um, those tech suits. Oh, I think the, the he makes the big um, like arm like grab a cigar and put it in his mouth. He's I've that kind of a guy. I've only seen the movie once. Um, he's oh, also. I- <laughs> but I mean, if it's also if you're still curious on if he's cool, he's in Tombstone. The movie Tombstone. Yeah, Stephen Lang is good. Yeah, that movie also stars Val, Kil- Val Kilmer, Kurt Russell, Sam Elliott, and Bill Paxton. Have you seen that movie? Just on TV with my dad. Yeah. Uh, it, it's one of those movies, whenever it is on TV, my dad will watch it. 
and will well, not if, change the channel to anything else. If we can sidebar and to to call it um, a Liam Neeson movie, take a walk amongst the tombstone, walk among the tombstones, uh, and have some tombstone talk. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I I remember being shown that movie, and just like I was really really loving it, and then it was just one of those things where I was a kid. And I just fell asleep with like 10 minutes left of the movie. And I've never seen the end of the movie. To me, because it was on TV, from my memory, on TV a lot, and it's a Western, and my dad won't turn the channel, it's boring. I have a hard time with Westerns because I always associate it with boredom. Yeah. Because I usually did not, I wanted to watch Rugrats. (laughs) Not not a Western. Um, he, He is also in Don't Breathe, Rogue Warfare, The Rookie. He's in a lot. Stephen Lang. So the movie begins, and we see that there are cities that drive around on wheels. It starts with a voiceover. By Shrike. Did you connect that dot? No, I didn't. Yeah, it's Shrike that's talking. Um, I mean, I'm pretty sure, because no one else's voice has sounded remotely like that. I just thought it was, you know, a narrator. Yeah. But you're probably right. Um, And so... You know, it's it's explaining like the world blew up basically, and now we drive around with cities on wheels. And some cities are big, some cities are small. Yeah, very Mad Maxy. This scene, yes. I mean, it's not nearly as good. So yeah, it starts off with like one city, and we see a a girl with a scarf over her face, so you can't see her face. And I did want to point out way ahead of the game on the mask game. Really appreciate all that they've done for that. Yeah, twenty twenty. This girl, maybe this movie should have been released in 2020 because people would be like, she's wearing a mask. I'm yeah. wearing a mask. I got to go see that yeah. in the theaters that don't exist anymore. Yeah. Go ahead. The cover of the movie is even her, her face wearing a mask. Yeah. Um, the cars are loud tonight. So she is running around the city and it's very cool world building, setting up of stuff. You're seeing how the city kind of works or whatever. And then um, soon after that, you see a much, 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 much bigger city. Yeah. That's like, oh, I thought this city was big. Th- right. Th- this is one's big, and the big one's London. Yeah. Interesting. Um, And that, so pretty much you learn right off the bat, the big cities take down the little ones for resources because yeah. we're living in a world where resources are now scarce, probably because they're driving around all over it. I don't know. Um, But... They're yeah, they're like a it's like a salt mining city. Mm-hmm. There's a fun chase, and it it's pretty it's a pretty decent chase. Um, one thing that Sam or not is it Sam from um or Adam from MythBusters on that on that interview I was watching is he talked about how like when, when things are this big, like a lot of times they're they're just like so slow, and so Peter yeah. Jackson and the director talked about how like well they. Like, they had to make that decision of, like, we want them to move really fast and, like, figuring out the physics of those special effects. I thought they did that well. I thought they did it really cool. And yeah. it was, it was like, oh, yeah, when he said that, I thought, yeah, th- this should be a slow machine. And they're just driving it around at, like, 200 miles an hour. Yeah. Just like... Fun. And uh, they leave these tracks that are, like, 50 feet yeah. deep. Yeah. And that was a cool touch that I never would have thought of. Also cool world building. Very cool. So that's going on. Uh, newsflash, they capture the city. Yeah. And I, I what I find interesting, I mean, they didn't really explore it too much. I'm sure they do in the books. But like, so they absorb the city and basically they're forcing these people to immigrate into London. Yeah. 
Um, but I am just assuming that they are going to be like the low on the caste system. Yeah. Because they're like prisoners of war or something. Right. But while that's going on, we cut to a museum in London, which it's like, dang, this is cool. And you see when, when like one city's in pursuit of another, you see how the like, I guess, machines that they're built on like can... And like Close. dissipate and like change and stuff yes, like that. Yes, to, to be to move faster. It's all and, steampunky. Oh, you know. so steampunky. It's crazy. You'd think the steampunk audience would have come out in droves. Yeah, I know. On their little cities. But may, maybe they couldn't power their cars to get there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. So we cut to a museum, which is very interesting concept. And then we see like they're really concerned over this one statue and its minions. And it's like minions despicable me minions let me clarify yeah, yeah. which it's like okay i've not don't know one thing about this book so i'm just assuming you know it, it is like this is this does take place in our world like a yeah. thousand years in the future okay okay that's fine i don't think despicable me will make it well i i but, think it's supposed to feel like i mean not to this extent but it's supposed to have that same thing you know planet of the apes you get to the end and you see New York City and you're like, that's from our place? Yeah, that's much more fascinating to me than something from pop culture. Right, and right. I, I think it was a crazy bad move to include Despicable Me statues. Yeah, and, and it's like if you felt the need, just one, if you're thinking let's do a pop culture thing, you've gone too far. Try to find a historical thing that that defines the 2000s. I don't know right. what that is. And I yeah. guess, yeah, pop. your brain would go to pop culture for that reason. Sure. Well, I mean, wouldn't but, it be even cooler if they were like, look, we we have a la the last brick from the Leaning Tower of Pisa. And y you know what that is. And you'd be like, oh, wow. Or yeah. like, like we have a piece of the Eiffel Tower. And you'd yeah. be like, the Eiffel Tower's gone? That's crazy. Yep. But instead, it's Despicable Me statues. Yeah. And then later on, when they show the one um, setting where it's like iPhones and stuff. Yeah. That I don't really have a problem with. I have less of a problem with that than I do despicable me because it's, yes. it's not it wasn't just iphones it was like several and they called it the age of the screen yeah and i so i theoretically like that idea i felt like the museum stuff was like a little too preachy yeah. it felt very like like back in the old days they used to only be on their phones hmm. they were so primitive but they did have a lot of advanced things as well and we're gonna use it to destroy another city yeah, and 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 it's kind of like okay, so you couldn't, you didn't know that Despicable Me was like a pop culture statue, but you know about like biomass, like crazy technology. You know, it's a little yeah. like I think some of that logic breaks down if you think about it too much. Yeah, but it's also like yeah, okay, just forget about it. It's supposed to be a cheap joke anyway. We're at the beginning of the movie of the whole yeah. movie left. It's not you don't get mad now, right? Um, but we, we do learn, so we're introduced to Tom, who I will refer to as Klaus. Mm -hmm. uh, he um, is one of, I, I guess you would say like a curator. He is interested in the old world. So yeah. he, has, he has like all of his crap, which you would call it crap <laughs> because it's just junk from the 21st century. Yeah. But he is interested in all of it. I find that interesting, but he's got secret stuff behind a painting. Okay. Um, <laughs> and then we are introduced to Hugo Weaving's daughter. Okay. Yeah. She's she's whatever. She's, I she mean, moves the story forward when she needs to. Kind of, yeah. Um, and then 
I, I, they talk it, it's just this is the point of the movie where it's all exposition so it's just like blah 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 yeah so meanwhile they're moving this small city into the big city and then we go back to the girl with the mask and you know she's still mysterious and cool what is she yeah. all about and then um klaus and the girl end up getting down to that area and they're looking through crap and they find yeah. a toaster and they talk about a toaster for a, for a while. long time while. like that was too much for me yeah i think uh, one so so um one of the problems with the movie i think is like it sort of can't decide if it wants to be exposition heavy or not yeah because it feels like there's a lot of stuff like just the basic idea of like the the cities running around they just explain that in a sentence and you're like cool into it but then the next scene is like let's talk about toasters yeah. for like a minute and a half and it's like huh like i wish they would okay so i guess this is when we start talking about this is a love letter to so many directors yes let's start with the first one george miller george miller um, which christian rivers mentioned in the interview of course he would because this is feels very uh mad max at certain points yes and i wish they would have gone that route in terms of because mad max does take place in our world yeah Be, uh, so they take place in our world it is in the future but they don't do any callbacks to the present. Mm -mm. Love it. And so it's, but because you know that it is established in our world, they would use a car like we use a car. They don't have to like make up new aircraft or something. Right. And, and in, in our episode of Mad Max Fury Road, we talked a lot about how like Fury Road does not really, it, it doesn't, it doesn't really have any moments that are like, okay, actually um, we have this, ritual that we do where like we do this this and this and this and that's why this bad guy needs us they're just like he has women in there that he takes advantage of and you're like got it okay yep Clear. Uh, it's like and then it's like oh they're tattooing high octane on mad max i'm not totally sure what that means but i can figure out cool i like it yeah. keep going he's captured that's bad yeah he needs it's to just get like out. It's so it's so cohesive. I mean, the movie's yeah. perfect. So it's, it is, and so and looking at this, and you see the Mad Max little notes of like yeah. the little bit of chaos, the little bit of like the the they, sorry, like the dystopian stuff that they are using from some like scrap metal kind of stuff. And I wish they would have just like dug more into that and not done callbacks on the present that we're currently living in. Because I'm not yeah. watching Mortal Engines to be reminded of Despicable Me. <laughs> i'm right. watching mortal engines because i want to see cities drive around and eat other cities right um which I, there is plenty of that stuff mm -hmm. but and like, that's the stuff i really like about the movie yeah it's just the it's like sometimes you need to decide like okay is this gonna be inception where it's like so much exposition or is it gonna be mad max like yeah. in, the in between isn't always satisfactory to me absolutely and i think this movie does that yep unfortunately yeah um we can just talk about directors as we go along, but the okay. first one's George Miller. Do you have any others off the top of your head? Oh, yeah. The Wachowski sisters. Oh, absolutely. So a lot of this movie feels like Matrix hardcore, yes. especially when we get to the Neo girl. <laughs> yeah, Anna Fang. Anna Fang, who reminds you of Neo. It's like, ne well, not oh, Neo. Oh, no, no, um, um, who's his girlfriend? It, it's like Trinity, Trinity. and um, Morpheus had a baby okay because sure. she wears like morpheus glasses yeah basically she wears sunglasses or no too, though, she doesn't wear morpheus glasses his are round but she feels morpheus-y yeah. and she also feels trinity yeah trinity e so she's <laughs> the matrix person of this movie and she is very cool yeah and very badass um and when then, she takes the glasses off though she's not as cool i gotta say 
Sure. But even when we're introduced, like when there's a little bit more fight scene with like her crew, that's also feels matrix to me. Yeah. That kind of stuff. And then there was another direct. So George Miller, the Wachowski sisters. And then I'll think of the other one as we go along. Well, one thing. So just to keep the theme conversations going later in the movie, when they're getting sold into like slavery, Mm -hmm. I thought that was really good world building I agree. because they didn't really explain it. And then they said something like they'll make good sausages and you're like, oh, they're selling them for food. They're yeah. going to turn them into food. Yeah. And it was kind of like if you missed it, you were not catch that. Yeah. And I thought like that was when it, the movie really worked for me is stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but anyway, city gets eaten. Um, so the girl, the, the redhead girl, little red riding. We hood. don't know who she is yet. Sees Hugo or Thaddeus Valentine yes, and goes up and stabs him. Yeah. Um, and she says, that was for my mother. And you're like, okay, already know she's got a vendetta out. <gasps> yeah. Vendetta. V for vendetta. Hugo Weaving. Oh, yeah. That's another. Um, is he, is he is Guy Fox, right? Isn't he? Yeah. Okay. I know. So. I, I know he's in it. I just couldn't remember if that's if who he's he in plays. it. He's Guy Fox. Yeah. Okay. He Guy Fox. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so she stabs him and then she runs away. Tom slash Klaus starts running after her because it's like, you hurt the guy that everyone loves in the city, I'm going to go get you. <laughs> so he's running after her and they're in an area where the big city is literally eating the little city. Yeah. Which I thought was cool that they yeah. are basically, you know, ripping it to shreds probably for resources. Yeah. That was very cool. Yeah. And then they like go down the garbage chute and, and Hugo pushes Klaus down the garbage. Yeah. Chute. Because before Hester Shaw went down, she said, ask him ask thaddeus about hester shaw and then he mentioned it to thaddeus and thaddeus kicks him off yeah and um i i think so at this moment i was like okay there's a lot going on like with characters and stuff and i was like i don't think this is gonna work and now i see why people didn't like this but i thought throughout the movie they did a pretty good job where at the Mm -hmm. end i was like yeah i know the names of the characters and i do know what happened and it did make sense yeah It, it but it is like I, I think part of it is like you have a new world, so that's a lot to adjust to. Then you have all this like exposition and like this this like thematic plot going on. And I think a lot of people probably were just like, I'm out. I'm checking out after the twenty minutes because they're like, I just stick to one thing. I can't do all of this. There's so many characters. I think it's just all bad timing. That's more than anything that's what killed this movie. I thought of the third director. Yes. Guillermo del Toro. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Many parts of this movie remind me of Guillermo del Toro. Um, Oh, and Terry Gilliam. And Terry Gilliam. Which they mentioned him in the interview. Of course they did, because there are so many pipes in this movie. Um, (laughs) And and wires. (laughs) And wires. Um, But no, Robert De Niro. Anyway, um, so Guillermo del Toro, many elements of him in this movie, I feel like that comes from the fantasy elements. Uh And so it's like... They, there are de- more just like, oh, this reminds me of Guillermo del Toro. There's that. And then Terry Gilliam, um, especially when they're basically more on the inside of London as a city. Yeah. It felt like Terry Gilliam. And it's like, this is cool. He's talking to this lady, I, her switchboard. Like, who is she? What's going on here? Very cool shot on that Would have been fine if they explored the inner workings of how the city runs a little <laughs> yeah. bit more but i also really don't care that they didn't yeah um it just piques your interest so that's good world building too yeah anyway to go well, and 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 what so so i you know i think the movie sits at like a pretty easy six for me but if if you had a, a director and i don't want to bash christian rivers i think 
this being your first movie, like that's a pretty decent like yeah. first movie. Maybe he's got a promising career. Maybe he doesn't get another shot because this was such a bomb. I don't know. But I hope it wasn't too much pressure because they advertised it like there was so much pressure writing on this guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. But uh, what I what would be interesting, you know, is if you did have and you would think since he came from the art department, it would be there. But I feel like if you had someone with a better like a more intense and exaggerated visual style, mm-hmm. I think the movie would have really popped. Yeah. Because it is shot in such a way that's pretty standard. Yeah. Like, I think it's kind of like, okay, I graduated from film school as a cinematographer. These are the shots I do. And you're like, okay, yeah, I've seen that. But it doesn't have the, like, flair that, again, I think Mad Max is the closest movie to talk about. So we keep mentioning that. But that movie has really creative shots. Yes. And, you know, it wouldn't have killed this movie to throw in some Dutch angles. You know, that's what I'm trying to say is it's like everything's just, like, pretty perfectly composed. The whole world... For everything that's going on, everyone is very clean. Yeah. And it it needed some dirt. Yeah. And I think if they got some other actors that maybe looked like they'd been on, had some more miles on them, I think the movie would have, some of those small details, I think would have added up literally in hundreds of millions of dollars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, um, so. So Tom and Helsa. Well, name? Hester. Hester. I think you said her real name. Okay, um, Hester. So they're out on the ground now, and they need to work together to survive, pretty much. Yeah. And you're learning that Tom has never been outside of London. I do like the throwaway, well, not a throwaway line, but the line that he has where he's like, "I've always wanted to leave London. Now I'm having second thoughts." Like kind of a like a corny joke, but it's yeah. like that's an interesting thought to have in this kind of world that yeah. he would want to leave his city. Yeah. How do you leave a city? Right. Right. Um. So they're trying they're to in the big ruts which are the cool. big ruts created by the cities um they almost get caught by scavengers but they're saved by like a roly which that poly. sequence i was like yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah very yeah. cool but they're saved by like a roly-poly yeah thing this like thing was cool machine. so this thing i'm i'm taking over jordan okay <laughs> this part also felt very terry gilliam yeah um they're in like this like centipede roly-poly thing that like can dig into the ground and like sit there and things can drive on top of it and it gets up and then you meet this guy who's like he's Australian or New Zealand and he's he's kind of like a little bonkers yeah. and it, you know he's got a mad eye moody vibe to him and he's like whoa and then he has this like wife or partner or something mm-hmm. that is this woman that's like oh would you like some tea and i'm th- you know it's like you see that character you go okay i know this is like the Aunt Nanny. Yeah. And she's kind of a jerk. And she's like mean to Hester. And she m- mentions how her scar is like ugly and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's kind of a fun twist that like I was expecting this to be like a sweet old lady. And she's just a massive jerk. Which is really just a, a foreshadowing of what happens next. Right. So they're um, taking the, them in. They're going to take them to the nearest town. Um, but as they're... Um, going along they realize they're now going a different direction because tom was going to be a pilot so he has a really good sense of direction so um they're trying they're going to maybe escape but hester is too injured to escape so they stay and they are sold into slavery so they took him to scavengers pretty much yeah so this is (laughs) I'm, i'm so sorry i just thought um that you should do art for this and it should just be a microphone that's driving around 
Like, like it's just got like those, like Don't tank get your wheels. Hopes up for artwork on this one. Um, <laughs> that but just, that's funny. That would be great, though. Yeah. Um. Anyway, you could even take a picture of a microphone and draw circles around it. I'm not going to do that. Okay. Jordan. You're the artist for the podcast. Um. So, meanwhile, while that's all happening, um, Hugo is cracking this master plan that we don't know about, but he's also trying to get hester off his tail so he goes to the prison which is a crab machine in the ocean cool cool yeah. cool. very that, cool yeah i was like wait they have them in water too yeah. they have cities over water no well, but it's it a, just prison. a prison yeah and but, then um, he talks to this dude in a steel box that is like something from the lazarus i'm just gonna call it the lazarus project which i think is from another movie <laughs> uh but well, that, that's from an interstellar like, lazarus project yeah that's but, true it's like um, a resurrected human yes but basic but He's like a cyborg, and I'm assume I get the impression that they were resurrected and built to like be war machines. Oh, okay. That's what I. I got. didn't put that together, but you're probably right. Just because he's really strong. Yeah, yeah, so that's true. He lets him out to to go kill Hester because she broke some promise, and it's like, whoa, what could this promise be? Also, give me more of this guy. Yeah, Shrike. Shrike. We like Shrike. Love him so much. <laughs> so he, you know, more stuff is happening, business, all that stuff. And then Shrike shows up and he's like, Hester, you promised. Yeah. And and they fight a little bit. This is also when Anna Fang shows up to save to That's save right. Them there's from like the slave sold. thing. Yeah. And then they they get out of there and On then her cool blimp. Yeah, there's a blimp. Blimp City. Yeah, have we got to Blimp City yet? No, no we I have. just wanted to say it. Okay. <laughs> Otherwise known as Bespin, the Cloud City with lando calrissian which you said lando calrissian and i didn't even have to say it and i was like oh jordan's knowing her star wars i was very proud of you jordan you're welcome um, but hester shaw and shrike are kind of having a little thing you know like a little fight and then they get away they're up in the cloud city and hester begins to say that like he raised her yeah, her mom was like an archaeologist who found this old tech. And okay, she... I just got to say one funny thing about that moment of the movie. So it's, she's an archaeologist that's showing her like brushing dust off of stuff. <laughs> um, what I find funny about that, and I don't know how archaeology works, but I also don't think this movie does either. Right. So she has like all this junk in her house, which their house, looked, I like that set a lot. It was cool. Yeah, it was cool. But she's like sweeping dust off of this thing. And it's just funny because the dust just comes off so easily. And it's like, you right. didn't do that outside before bringing it in. Whatever. So then she brings it. It's a flashback showing Hugo weaving would show up every now and then. I did to, get the impression though that that was like her workstation. So yeah, as far I know, as the dust goes. But like dust it off outside. I don't know. <laughs> but no, that's leading into the thing that actually made me laugh. But so Hugo weaving would come in a lot because he was also interested in her work and uh and immediately you're like okay so he's hester's father <laughs> oh yeah yeah let's not reveal this later <laughs> but um she has this thing on her table which is the like medusa thing yeah and she's dusting it off and she dusts off and you see the logo and uh -huh. then she picks it up and like quickly brings it over to the another table and like dust falls off of it and it's like she would have dug this out of the ground and immediately have seen that logo. You're not <laughs> convincing me that you're going to sprinkle some dust over that logo so that she can just wipe it off. And yeah. that's a reveal. And like, it's caused That's what causes her death a little much guys. Anyway, go ahead. But so we find that out. She found this like weapon, old tech and Hugo weaving wanted it. Thaddeus Valentine, as I like to call him. And he, <laughs> he really wanted it. 
And she's like, no. And so he kills her. And she's like, no. It's just funny how you said Oh, (laughs) no. Um, And so he kills her. And then um, I almost said Jordan. (laughs) (laughs) But Hester is like, what are you doing to mom? And he he throws the knife around and it's what cuts her face. Mm -hmm. I thought that was cool. Mm Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay. And then she like runs away mom and he said, looks Mom for gives him. her a necklace and says, keep this. Yeah. And he runs away or she runs away and then she's raised by Shrike. And there's a pretty nice sequence where they're like growing up and he like builds her like a cyborg um, skeleton. And his intentions are so pure. So he's raising her and he understands as he's raising her that he doesn't have a heart, so he doesn't understand human emotion anymore. But in her dialogue, she she is saying that she believes that there was something, that there's still a part of his old life left inside him that does make him feel... And when she feel. finds the picture... When she finds the picture, it, like, it gave me chills. It, it was, was a so good sad. moment. Yeah. Really sweet. So it's like he, you know, him saying well, like... Uh, oh, in the picture, if you haven't oh, seen the sorry, movie... Oh, sorry, that's true. Is, is she's no one's in, seen this movie, so we better be pretty descriptive. <laughs> well, hopefully people watched it before yeah. or or will watch it after this. Yeah. Um, because it's a good movie. Yeah. <laughs> There's giant cities that fly around. What more do you want? Yeah. Um, but the she like is working in like Shrike's house and, and, and she grabs this picture and it's like a man and a child and his wife. Just a man and a child. Oh, a man and a... Oh, that's right. It was just yeah. a man and a child. And and she says, like... She, basically, she thinks that that was Him Shrike. And, yeah. Because we find out that he's a resurrected human. So yeah. you do have to die to become what he becomes. Yeah. So, which means that he lived a life. Right. Before all of this stuff. Who knows when? And it is like he has memories so deep-seated bar- far into him that you would... I, I think character wise is so beautiful that it like, that's why he is able to raise her. Maybe he wasn't very nurturing, but yeah. he was able to raise her. And then he is at a, at a point where he's like, I know that your heart is broken. I don't have a heart, but I know that yours is broken and I want to fix it. So he even has like that desire to help like yeah. the kind of classic robot. Like I want to help you fix this thing in order to do it. I'm going to kill you and then bring you back so that you can no longer feel pain. Yeah. And it's like, that is so <laughs> weird thing that I'm about to say, but that is so sweet because it's the only way that he can basically communicate love. Yeah. As a father. Yeah. It's Amazing. cool. Yeah. And then she hears that London is coming. Yeah. So, so like her whole flashback took, took place like, Anywhere from like days to months before the beginning of the movie, which yeah. is cool because I thought it was going to be well, way years. before that. No, because she hears he... London is coming. Oh, I thought you meant just the whole thing because I oh, was like, she no, was no, eight no. when he no. found her. <laughs> I mean, she she hears that London is coming and she leaves and she br- like breaks her promise. Because her promise was that she was going to let him do that to her. Yeah. And, and so then we're up in the Cloud City and they're like... And we are introduced to a cast of characters... <laughs> That is such a shame because finally we get some diversity into this movie and it's a lot of characters that you just know from looking at them. They're the warriors and the fighters who don't get hardly any lines or character development and a lot of them are going to die. Yeah. But they got a lot of different types of people in it. So I guess that works. That was just like, you just know that they went out of their way to show different nationalities because it is like a world where there really is no country anymore. Yeah. And it's like, how come... 
So wouldn't that stand to reason on some level that, like, that maybe, London shouldn't be full of white people? Yeah, or maybe like our five leads should be more diverse than white people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that was a bummer. But yeah. anyway, so we learn that... Or like white models, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so the Hester... So they're saying like like your mom must have tell, left something with you, Hester, and she doesn't really know. She can't really answer. But Tom is able to help in some way. I can't really remember about flying or. Yeah, he's always so, wanted to be I a mean, pilot. He and... knows about London, so I think he's offer, able to offer some tidbits of wisdom about what to do about it. And yeah. then they're ambushed. And and yeah, and and then kind of to cut to the chase, there's like a group of people who are the anti-tractionists. Because they, they want their cities to be on land, mm -hmm. which I like. That's yeah. a fun idea. And they have a huge wall. And Hugo Weaving, or as I like to call him, Thaddeus Valentine, he's going to use the weapon to break down the wall, and then he'll, like, rule the world. Yeah. And so th the people in the clouds, you know, they get attacked. And it's cool that, like, it says, like, no smoking up there and stuff. Because if a fire lights, it explodes because it's all, like, blimp technology. Yeah, and he blimp city. Helium, right? Is it No, not helium. Right. Maybe it's helium, yeah, and that's flammable. So it's uh -huh. like, um, I thought that was a cool touch. Uh -huh. And so then it's like, okay, they're ambushed by Shrike, by the way. That's right, they are ambushed by Shrike, and then Shrike realizes that Hester Shaw is in love with, with Tom because he's about to kill Tom. And then, do you catch that part though, where he's like, she's trying to say like, you can't kill him, you can't kill him, and he's looking at her and he's like, you are crying, you feel bad, I must kill him. Like basically like you were crying, you were hurt. Yeah. And it says it's, she's trying to basically communicate to him that you are the one hurting me. Yeah. And then he's already injured at this point. And I think it, so yeah. So then Shrike dies. Newsflash Shrike dies. <laughs> uh, but it, it was like <laughs> just another beautiful moment yeah. where he's about to kill the man that she loves and she's asking him not to. And he is understanding that she loves him and he lets go. And that that's like the, his spirit leaving. Yeah. Him. And, so and his sweet. eyes like die down and then it goes into his eyes and he has like a moment, like he sees all the moments with Hester. And then it ends with a moment with a little child from his past past life oh i don't even think i caught that really yeah or was, was it really obvious I, it I, was pretty obvious because okay, it was like a man's hand and a baby's hand like in it and it oh, was I like oh my gosh that. his last memory was him as a human with his son yeah we love shrike oh, he's so good it, shrike rules yeah and and uh, you know you know, other movies don't have Shrike. It's just for a for a and movie. And that's a shame. You know, <laughs> for a movie that's trying to do so much, and a lot of it, unfortunately, is kind of generic. They were able to capture a a type of theme in one character. The theme the theme of being a parent. Yeah. And they did it so well. Yeah. And he dies with about thirty to forty five not forty five, but like thirty to forty minutes left in this movie. So we got and, a lot of And movie you know left. what? By this point, maybe you've seen the movie. And you're listening to our podcast and you're like, man, I always look forward to the Halloween specials, even though you've only had one so far. <laughs> and I was so excited for you guys to tear apart this movie. Well, first of all, we always go into a movie and we, well, at least me, I, you know, but depends you on the movie. Yeah. I always go in, even if I don't like the movie, I'm like, maybe I'll crack it this time. You know? Yeah. Even if it's something like Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, where I was like, I can't wait to never see this again, but we got to watch it for the podcast. And then I'm like, okay. I got to give it a fair shot, though. 
So go into this movie. Fair. I I went into this movie actively like I'm ready to overlook flaws because I want to like this Me too. movie. Me too. But you might be going, come on, you guys should rip this to shred. Like the script's kind of a little wonky. The acting is wonky. But here's the thing. And, and I mean this in all seriousness, and you might think that's kind of a reductionist argument. But yes, there are problems. But this movie has Shrike. It has blimp planes that fly around. It has uh, cities that drive around and engulf other cities. And then it has a weapon that shoots stuff that does insane-looking explosions. Like an implosion. Yeah, that looks cooler than a lot of what those kind of explosions they usually look like. at least put a color on it. It's purple. Yeah, and I it's like that. It's not an amorphous black blob. And I think Hugo Weaving is really good in this he movie. He is good in this movie. And so I just think that, no, this movie is not as good as The Matrix. No, it's not as good as Mad Max Fury Road. But it's a good movie. And it should have made, you know, like three, four hundred, five hundred dollars. I, I mean, <laughs> well, luckily, million, okay, good. Million. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I know we still have some more to talk about the movie, but I just, you know, we, it, it's a, and, and, and another thing, <laughs> another thing that we talked about last night is I think that audiences right now in our current climate are uncomfortable with movies that are earnest. Uh huh. And, and this movie's, pretty like hard on its sleeve uh-huh. and i've heard the same about alita battle angel which was also a financial bomb which we haven't seen yet but i've heard it's good i've only heard good things um yeah. but apparently that movie's really earnest mm. and i think people like i think right now in culture it's like well i only like earnest if you can turn it around and have rocket like make fun of it really quick uh-huh and of course, you know us. We're we love Guardians uh-huh. of the Galaxy. I'm not knocking Guardians, but you know Marvel has a tendency of like let's be really earnest and nice, and then they kind of undercut it. Yep. As a joke. Yep. Um, and so I think that's another thing in this movie where it's like, oh well, that's that's corny because it wasn't cool. It wasn't the Jonker. You know, it wasn't the Jonker movie. So yeah. I, I don't like it has to be edgy and cool. You do have to bring up another part of another part of the argument with this movie, which goes into the Patrick Williams video about crazy crazy Please. crazy intense movies gonzo blockbusters as his video gonzo block did he does he say that's what it is is that it, his term it, yeah yeah that okay. if you look up gonzo blockbusters on youtube that's what's going to show up okay so he has this video recent video um about it basically explaining like why did these movies who that are so balls to the walls insane how are they not good slash how do they not do well meanwhile we have very subpar marvel movies like we've said so many times in this episode, we like Marvel. But Wait, I there, love Marvel, and, are, and I I get when people are kind of comparing to Marvel because it is like the standard. It is right the now. standard, so you have to. And then they, but at the same time, I think Endgame is a perfect movie. So I'm not. I am someone who is fully into the Marvel brand. But what I'm trying to say is, when you have that much quantity in a franchise, not everything's gonna hit. So that's Absolutely. why it's easy to go towards it. Because yeah. what are you always gonna get out of a Marvel movie? Action. It's an action adventure movie yeah. every single time. So um, because we have had it since 2008, yeah, or before, um, we have become pretty desensitized to crazy special effects. Yes. Um, part of that is just kind of 
interesting and cool thing to think about how a lot of it doesn't phase us anymore and we're not really amazed by it part of that is a bummer because we have movies like immortal engines that comes out that is so crazy arguably crazier than a lot of marvel movies that i've seen um but somehow it just doesn't hit the same way i think part of it goes into legacy you know marvel has a legacy this doesn't they're trying to do a new thing um but then you also hear, and also in his movie or video, he talks about um, the, that one with Dane DeHaan. Yes, Valerian and the City Valerian, of a Thousand Planets. Which um, I still do not care to see that movie, honestly. But seeing shots of that movie, it was like, that's kind of crazy. Yeah, Some of I the want to see it. That now. I'm I think, well, and one of the things he points out in that video is that back in the day when, like, when Jaws came out, when Star Wars came out, when all these movies came out and they were these huge blockbusters, it was things people had never seen before. Yeah. Like when you see Star Wars, the first time you see it and they go into the cantina in the Moss Eisley city, you see like a hundred different aliens and it's like, what? Yeah. Like that hadn't been done before. Jaws, you see this crazy shark and like, you know, all of that stuff. And he his argument was like now when people do that when they push the boundary they're not rewarded yeah. with their box office and then but the thing he brought up is he's like there's one movie though that did it perfectly and it's like it's balls to the walls it's crazy and it's also box office glory and that was Mad Max Fury Road uh-huh. and um but this movie's cool <laughs> well, I, guess, I know we have yeah. we should go back to the plot but yeah I mean what 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 should we say there's a huge action sequence at the end. That's They're pretty blowing up the wall. Action. So you see that there is a grounded city, which is cool. Another cool world building thing. And they need yeah. to protect it. And there's this wall that they're shooting with an ancient bomb weapon called Medusa um, yeah. from the London as a city <laughs> from London. <laughs> um, so uh, Hester realizes that the necklace that her mom had left her with has the, the only key that can stop the bomb and deactivate it. So they need to get back into London and stop it. So right. all of the the Matrix people are flying into the city and taking down the guns so that they can safely get inside. Um, so once they do, they're in there. Let's just say it. She stops the bomb. She gets it in there in time. Um, in order to do that, Anna Fang died by Hugo's hand. Um, and then meanwhile, Tom is flying around waiting i guess is kind of what he's doing oh no he is trying to get the mach- the the city to stop moving so he shoots it yeah. from inside that's yeah cool. and that's cool it, it's yeah. very star wars phantom menace yeah so they oh, get and another director is miyazaki this movie's so miyazaki oh yeah um it's crazy like you're seeing howl's moving castle and castle, castle in the, in the sky, sky in the same movie live action yeah and they also mentioned him in the interview so that was very yeah that is we talked about that while we were watching it yeah um so then they get it. They get out. Hester fights with Hugo. We find out that's her dada. And we're all like, not yeah, surprised. <laughs> um, and what happens after that? He gets squashed by his own city. Yeah. And then they're okay. And they and then Hester and Tom like fly away. I thought I had the... So he he gets her, she gets away. I do like it's, it's kind of a fun thing where they don't go right back to the city right away, and they're partying with everyone like yay! But they're like, let's take a moment in the clouds. This is quiet. This is calm. This is nice. Let's hug each other and giggle for a while. 
that's how it <laughs> yeah, ends. That and was it's a like, weird. ooh, that's the young adult part. Well, and it was very odd. This movie had a lot of ADR in it. Yeah. Like, it, like it, probably I would guess somewhere between like 20 and 40% of the dialogue was re-recorded. And it didn't, it was very jarring and weird. Yeah. Um, I think this movie's good. I think it's worth a watch, and even if you don't like it, at least uh, appreciate the the artistry behind it. You yeah. know what I mean? Sometimes you don't like something, but you can go, I get what they were trying to do, and I at least, it's it's better than them playing it safe, because they don't play it safe in this movie. No, but I kind of wish they risked a little bit more. I wish so too, but at the same time, it's like, Shrike was in this. Yeah. And are we going to really... And it, you know, it's just truly I, 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 just one more reminder. Shrike was yeah, in this movie. Yeah, yeah. I just don't understand. Did, does, did the author do something pre this movie happening that everyone hated him for? And they're not going to so. like support him anymore. Like, I don't get why this movie did not at least break even. It it's makes very absolutely weird. no sense, especially because we are so used to action movies these days. Yeah. Just so crazy. And I don't think we'll ever really know, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think we've summed up how we feel. Yeah. I would like to ask one question before before okay. we leave. What do you think is the your least favorite slash worst movie that we've covered on this podcast? Uh, I'm going to leave all this silence in for you listeners. I'm not editing this part. Well, Fantastic Four was pretty bad. I think it's arguably Fantastic Four. Shrek the Third has to be up there. In one of the Jurassic Park movies. At least one of them. Yeah. Honestly. Probably the last one. Oh, and then there's Battle of the Five Armies. You, oh. you know what? Bad question. I think it's Crimes of Grindelwald for me. I, uh, I think I'd rather watch any one of those other movies than that. Oh, I'd rather again. watch all of the... I would rather watch all three Hobbit movies over Crimes of Grindelwald. That movie's so freaking bad. And it has the line... The... the and folks, in it. I did say frickin', so we do not have an explicit tag on this episode. <laughs> yeah. So thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> uh, but uh, seriously, go to patreon.com slash Micah McCaw. And uh, this month is Monsters, Inc. Next Wednesday, it's going to be Monsters University. So there's plenty of Patreon episodes to listen to. If we get one more, we're going to release the Winnie the Pooh tapes. And um, very soon, keep your eye on my Instagram, and I'll talk about it on the podcast. I might even insert an ad. Um, I'm going to be doing a Christmas show, live stream Christmas show premiere, and I'll explain that more later. So keep your eyes peeled for that. I want everybody who listens to be there. But have a spooky Halloween.